Hello, hello, hello. It is your favourite genderqueer GP, Dr. Tom Dixon. He, they. Hello, hello, hello. It's your favourite clinical psychologist, Dr. Dave Demmer. He, him. And uh, I guess it's your second favourite <laughs> clinical psychologist, Dr. Jamie Byrne. She, her. I appreciate this rank order. <laughs> Hi, I'm Q. Hi, I'm Q. Hi, I'm Q. Hi, I'm Q. In the spirit of reconciliation, the Meet Q podcast acknowledges the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respect to their elders past, present and emerging and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples today. Banter, 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 banter. We are really good at this now at the end of our season two, mm-hmm. aren't we? Like our so banter good. is just so natural. So yeah. good. We're all sitting here thinking, what are we going to talk about right at the beginning? How are we going to make uh, this engaging? I <laughs> don't know. <laughs> well, I think it might be December 1. Mm-hmm. I don't yeah. know. If, you know, is that an 24 days day? till a man appears in my room. <laughs> 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 I'm not sure I ever really like. I've gone 24 days without a man appearing in your room. <laughs> had a boner for Santa. <laughs> yeah, I don't think Santa's boner bait. Mm. No, not really. Mm. Like, no. the red suit, it really mm. just distracts mm. from, like, any sexual appeal. <laughs> Mrs. Claus, though. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I like her organisation. <laughs> and sultry curls. Yeah. All right, as always, I'll bring us back on track. Tom, do you want to tell us what December 1st is, please? <laughs> December 1st is the first day of December, but equally it mm-hmm. is a day of recognition as World AIDS Day. And it is very much a day to kind of all come together and make sure that we're continuing to work towards eliminating HIV around the world, because even though we might have it very much uh, managed, it's not eliminated in Australia, but it's uh, we're doing quite well in achieving our UN HIV um, AIDS goals. But uh, there are other parts of the world where this is still uh, completely devastating disease and even in Australia it still causes a lot of harm and I think that might be what Q's here about today. Mm, Thank you giving it away. I know. Yeah. Oh, who would have thought we'd coincide <laughs> There's my surprise a day going. of importance yeah. with our cue. And now on to uh, cue with anxious attachment. <laughs> Not at all. That was season one, episode two. Good memory. Because it's evidently the most one of the most important things that I suffer with. Mm-hmm. And so it was in the season one. <laughs> Yeah. So, shall we meet you? Let's do it. That felt like a really long banter. <laughs> We've just had edits yeah. from Jamie in the peanut gallery. <laughs> I'm a 54-year-old gay male who was diagnosed with HIV the day Freddie Mercury died. 31 years later, I'm still here. I'm consumed by guilt that I am still here. The first doctor I saw said I wouldn't live beyond five years. But here I am, still here. My question is, how do I navigate living with HIV and dating in today's world? Oh, dear. Mm. Q, Q, Q. God, this is like, I think, emblematic of so many issues that being queer, as being a queer person, we face day in, day out. It's that internal judgment it's that judgment mm. from like the people around us, both mm. the queer community and broader society. Mm. It's kind of coming to terms with identity. Mm-hmm. It is shame, 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 shame. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I the word intergenerational trauma, right, mm. within this generation. Oh. But, I th- yeah, I really think about the trauma Absolutely. Um, of having lived through that 
pandemic and what that was like to lose people. Yeah, yeah. well, unlike COVID, mm. essentially the world responded by splashing TV, yeah. newspapers mm. and yeah. any media were saying this is the gay plague and mm. it's what they deserve. Mm-hmm. Do you guys remember cancer. that bowling ad? Yeah. Yeah, the Grim Reaper. Yeah, yeah the Grim Absolutely. Reaper ad. If anyone hasn't mm. seen it, please go and Google it. It's, mm-hmm. it's horrific. Mm. Um, in terms of this idea that this Grim Reaper is coming for you, it's coming for your children, mm. um, yeah, and it just kind of spreads that discrimination. Mm-hmm. It really, and does. it's still heralded as actually like in marketing circles as oh. a very impressive campaign yeah. and having yeah. you know having done its job, which is kind of disgusting. That kind of trauma of the eighties and nineties. The reason it's probably like, I think there's a certain kind of part of the community that almost think. It's cliche to think that being gay means HIV Mm, Mm. Um, because for a period there, there was like, that's all that like the identity was of that, um, Mm. uh, the kind of gay male sexuality, but equally it's now getting to the point where we don't actually acknowledge our history very well. Yeah. And instead, and part of that is unfortunately because essentially a good proportion of that generation died. Mm-hmm. And like I've had um, people tell me about looking back at photos from when they were kind of with their friends in groups of 30 or 40 and there's two or three people left standing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. And the, the people telling me these stories are only in their 50s or 60s. Mm. Right. And we should really never forget where we've come from yeah. because the kind of HIV epidemic in a lot of ways galvanized the community and kind of catapulted us into a momentum of LGBT rights mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. like we've never seen before. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of the other side of the coin, isn't it? Like this kind of, dare I say, brotherhood that developed from that mm-hmm. because there was this, you know, an, mm-hmm. another clear aspect of what was in the community that we needed to kind of mm-hmm. band around. Well, folks, what are we kind of hearing with Q's story here? Like, what are your thoughts? Psychologically, I'm hearing stigma and it's mm-hmm. interesting we like, I'm really hearing stigma at three levels. I don't know if you agree with this, Jamie, like self-stigmatization, the internalization of it, yep. the st- stigmatization that still unfortunately occurs within the queer community and mm-hmm. within the gay male community around mm-hmm. HIV and also the stigma in the general community. Mm-hmm. Like there's kind of these three levels that are going mm-hmm. on for mm-hmm. Q. Um, and we would think that, you know, maybe at the very least within the queer community slash gay male community, maybe more specifically that uh, it wouldn't necessarily kind of exist there, Mm. but it still unfortunately kind of does. Yeah. Well, I think that we've got the, um, as you say, isolating ourselves, and then also it's kind of like there are two different types of communities, right? It's it's not unlike when we're talking about the crystal meth scene Mm. as well. Like if you're in the community, you're in the community, right? And that's that's what it is. Mm. And then if you're outside the community, there's a way that you look upon those. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. And so it's just like that othering, Mm -hmm. oh, that's not me. Mm. And then for people that have HIV, that same sort of othering they Mm. might be doing to themselves, oh, that I don't identify as that as well, that they've got connotations about what that means to have HIV. And I think what we'd find is the kind of maybe one of the differentiators there is a lack of education and knowledge and understanding Uh and, yeah, um, around HIV, around treatments around HIV, about what it means to be HIV positive, what it means Mm. to be undetectable, Uh, those types of things, yeah. Or I think also what it means to be someone with HIV. And I think it's the kind of, there's almost a judgment here from people who are negative sometimes 
like you see words like clean being used. Yeah. Oh, like no one is clean. Like we are born into this world and it's a very dirty place. Because mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. it's the connotation of what it means to not be clean. I mean, the opposite exactly. to clean mm-hmm. is, is dirty. dirty. Mm-hmm. Oh, I like being dirty. Mm-hmm. But it's really one of those things of like also then the implication of if you're negative well, or if you're positive, what does that mean of who you are? It's that identity kind of component to it. It's like, let's assume all these characteristics about this person, like they must have like up or sorry for swearing or phantom swear all the f- <laughs> we are a clean we- podcast oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right might have to cut that out sorry yeah. no no we'll, we'll get the e for expletive <laughs> right. mm-hmm. just makes me think of uh, mr g from summer heights high saying e e e for <laughs> ecstasy <laughs> i am ecstatic about lecturing on this topic but essentially like it's that implication of okay i'm gonna really use my shortcuts in my brain to think Mm-hmm. This is mm-hmm. something that I can therefore imply all these connotations mm-hmm. about who this person is just because yep. of mm-hmm. an infectious- and the type of sexual acts they've done. Exactly. And all those, yeah, all those inferences. Awful. Mm. And so, like, with that stigma, is it more than just education around HIV? Like, do any of you, either of you have any thoughts on, like, other ways we can actually kind of tackle these biases that we hold in ourselves? Mm. I guess it depends what, in my opinion, what- level we're working at here we're working at you know if we're we're targeting intervention wise um at the individual internalized stigma Mm -hmm. level because that's probably not a bad education there you know Mm -hmm. most people who are living with hiv i assume would be kind of relatively au fait um if they're in some sort of treatment that is helping them be be undetectable so there it's probably not about a lack of education. I'd suggest that's at the more broader gay male community and um general community levels if we're working at the individual level, um, then, you know, when we think about the strategies around, I like to think strategies in psychology come down to one sentence, mm-hmm. change what you can change and accept what you can't. Mm-hmm. And of course there is an element of a diagnosis like HIV that at the moment, because there is no QR sits in that acceptance realm. So we'd be working around acceptance and acceptance doesn't mean that saying something is okay or that this was meant to be, or that I deserve this. It's simply saying that this is how it is. And I'm going to choose to carry the difficulty and the distress and the pain that comes along with that. And, and we can change the meaning, right? That's the one thing that we can change mm-hmm. is, is not the reality that this is something that someone's living with, mm-hmm. but what they're inferring exactly. about having this. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And if there's inferences around this is, and I think Hugh mentioned in, in there, um, this idea of punishment or the mm. idea that, you know, this is what I get for being gay or, um, and this sense from that, I mean, we have to infer there that mm. he feels maybe lesser than because mm. of this diagnosis. Um and then on the flip side of that, maybe people who HIV negative mm. having kind of the opposite thoughts of that. Tom, I see you nodding your head. Yeah, absolutely. Like it's something that people kind of this hierarchy of like, how good a gay am I mm. um, of, okay, well, I'm negative or mm. I'm HIV negative. So therefore I'm a better gay than someone who's HIV positive, mm. which is just a load of bollocks. Yeah, but I think that's that's just psychological reality, right, is because of the fact that we're inherently insecure beings, what we want to do is we want to put ourselves up 
and also take other people down because we feel pretty insecure about ourselves. And this is just one way that that might come out. Absolutely. And I think it's like kind of once we are cognizant of it, um, then we can actually affect change. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so like if you ever catch yourself like kind of judging someone, and I'm going to be real preachy this episode, so just get used no. to it. No. But I know, <laughs> me, ever. It's one of those things. If you catch yourself judging someone, yeah. asking like, well, why am I kind of, viewing them lesser than me and what is it actually Mm. saying about me? Because, like, what am I trying to self-justify here? Mm. And it's just one of those things that's kind of, we don't need it. We need, like, utopia love, you know. 1970s Woodstock. If there is a gay male listener out there, you know, listening to this episode right now, feeling that they are better than somebody um, who is HIV positive, please feel free to get in touch. Uh, I am mm. taking on new clients at the moment <laughs> and we need to do some work. Yeah. Well, it's My really, books are closed. <laughs> it's really interesting to hear you guys speak, right, because as a cis female, I don't know relatively a lot about HIV even as someone who works in this space, because it's something that traditionally outside, um, yeah, in, in cis females, it's not something we have as much contact with. So could we have some education, please, Tom? Sure. We'll, have, uh, <laughs> we'll just uh, go on a little tangent of little facts. And I don't want to uh, assume that all genders do understand this as well, but I think relatively yeah. speaking, gay men do understand a lot more about HIV. Or men who sleep with men. Yeah, men who um, sleep with men kind of generally have better education. And that's because in Australia, public health messaging has been kind of very much focused on that population. Um, And that's because... I want to not. (laughs) Yeah, you're not allowed to. It's in a little secret club. (laughs) It feels that way It's like the little rascals. Yeah. (laughs) And like, no girls allowed. Um, (laughs) God. (laughs) That's right, baby. (laughs) (laughs) Was Mikey the puppy? Does that mean I'm a alpha? Like, do I have a little spike? In my, oh, like, you you've do? got a bit of a rat's tail going. I didn't notice before oh. when you turned your head, you've got a little bit of a rat's tail happening. What's this circa 2007? I feel very attacked. <laughs> <laughs> got a Tom Hardy t-shirt on and a rat's tail. Yeah, so help, help I didn't me realize understand I, stuff. So, I didn't realise my brilliance was so reflective, Dave. <laughs> Back to me. Um, (laughs) So help me understand, you know, we've thrown out a lot of terms, right? Mm -hmm. Let's talk about undetectable. Let's talk about... Yeah. And so, like, the point I was kind of saying that the Australian context is very much one that's kind of very focused towards the men who have sex with men or um, cis gay male community. Um, And that's because the majority of the epidemic in Australia in the 90s and the early 2000s was confined to that population. Um, Not saying that there are... It's transmitted more through anal sex. Is that correct? It is one of the ways it is transmitted, but equally the reason you didn't get huge um, spread in the general heterosexual population was because very early in the epidemic, um, Australia successfully brought in the needle syringe exchange program, Mm. whereas the US, for example, didn't. And Mm. so you see populations in the US where kind of, for example... Um, the African-American or black community um, has a much higher rate across uh, genders um, as well as sexualities. And um, that's because, unfortunately, kind of a multiplicity of kind of marginalisation when it comes to the access to healthcare, um, kind of the access to kind of intergenerational disenfranchisement, et cetera, et cetera, where people have been kind of put at risk through no fault of their own. We've got you on a different soapbox now. Now, you know, it's social equality we've gone from. Oh, I have many soapboxes and they're all coloured um, in terms of many different colours of the rainbow. Yeah, so no, it's good. Essentially, 
what we see is that kind of the Australian perspective is very much like the men who have sex with men community. Um, mm. And these days, and we'll kind of segue mm. here into prep, mm. because um, public health messaging has been so strong for kind of a number of decades, uh, we've had huge uptake. Australia is one of the greatest uptakes um, of prep internationally. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, and so you now have new diagnoses um, in kind of cis gay male communities um, around Australia being incredibly uh, uncommon. Mm-hmm. So what is PrEP? So PrEP is essentially a drug that you can take um, every day or if you're um, someone who doesn't have any kind of uh, estrogen in their body, whether mm. it's through a tablet or through their ovaries, mm. um, then uh, they can take it on demand as well. Mm-hmm. If mm-hmm. you've got estrogen, you need to be taking it daily just because mm-hmm. of the way estrogen affects the drug. But essentially it's more effective than condoms in stopping HIV yeah. acquisition. Wow, that's incredible. Yeah. And what are long-term studies? Like, do I just take it for years? Yeah, so PrEP's been around for, like, the actual drug is um, two drugs uh, that treat HIV as well. And so they've been around for over a decade now. Uh, We kind of, uh, they're very well tolerated. No issues, really, for the majority of people who take them. Um, And so if you're someone who is worried about HIV or wants to have more of a talk, I would strongly encourage um, kind of... Get on Tom's waiting list. I don't have a waiting list. Um, (laughs) They are closed hard. Um, But uh, essentially... Um, kind of having a chat to a GP and if they don't know enough about it, then Mm, kind of mm. uh, speaking to one of the sexual health services or finding a GP that does. And PEP? And PEP is post-exposure prophylaxis. So that's Mm -hmm. one that you just take for one pill once a day or sometimes two um, for a month after Mm. exposure. And that's, uh, so if you think you've been put at risk of HIV, Mm. um, say you've uh, kind of had sex and you think the condom broke mm-hmm. um, and you're not sure of the um, status of the part, your partner mm-hmm. and you are worried about HIV, mm-hmm. don't sit at home alone stressing mm-hmm. your brains out mm-hmm. for the next kind of month until yeah. the next If you're HIV listening test. to the podcast right now, yeah. Yeah. please go. Please go. What's the, is there a, I'm always curious, there's, is there a general time frame um, that PEP can be done? Yeah, in? the sooner the better. Yeah, um, but, but there's like a max time. It's kind of roughly 72 hours. Yeah. Dave's hungry. <laughs> and I've interrupted his meal time. <laughs> we took a pause so I could eat some cheese. And so Jamie is being the tutorful hostess She's that she is. <laughs> so yeah, H, uh, PrEP has been really uh, kind of picked up in Australia um, and very much to the benefit of the population that's had a lot of public health messaging. Um, but what we're actually seeing now is that uh, there's rising rates of HIV, um, new diagnoses in kind of the bisexual, pansexual or heterosexual communities. Um, and unfortunately, kind of, Jamie, your kind of lack of knowledge here is not the kind of exception. It's actually probably more the rule. I've been told my ignorance is fairly normal. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, at least like, that makes you that, that must no, like, provide like, some reassurance genuinely, genuinely when I stepped into working in the queer space five years ago step one I had to educate myself mm, yeah, right? absolutely. and um, you know I'm, I'm asked these questions um, because mm. this is a podcast um, fellow listeners um, but it was really it was it was a step right and to really kind of immerse myself and mm. to really understand it to understand what prep was even though that's something that I'm not on myself to mm. understand what undetectable mm. meant because I was just like how I, I need to understand this if I'm going to help people in this space yeah mm-hmm. like preps um, 
PrEP acts like kind of more effectively than condoms in reducing the risk of HIV acquisition. It doesn't that I did not know. It doesn't protect against other STIs. Mm. Um, so kind of as part of the prescribing, uh, it's generally um, most of my patients who are on PrEP will get tested for the other STIs every three months. I think. It, and also just to dispel a myth here. Yeah. Being on PrEP doesn't mean that you're more likely to have other STIs, Ooh, nor one. does it um, kind of mean that you're more kind of, in inverted commas, promiscuous. Yeah. Mm. It's actually something really to raise here is that if you're uh, someone who is having all sorts of different kinds of sex um, mm. and you're not on PrEP, then certainly having a chat to your doctor mm. is a really good place to start. And if at the very least, um, and if you're having sex with more than one partner, whether that's in a poly type relationship or a casual type relationship or, or anything in between, um, it's making sure that you're getting tested at least once a year. Yeah. Um, because that is the best way to know um, kind of how your health is going when it comes mm -hmm. to sexual transmitted infections. Mm. And it's also like if I diagnose someone and they've had HIV for kind of less than a year, their immune system is in a much better yeah. uh, state than if someone's kind of a very late diagnosis and comes in kind of five years after acquisition. Mm. Ignorance is not bliss with no. this. Mm -mm. It's kind of like mm -mm. we kind of gave a shout out to getting pap smears, right? Mm. This is one of those things like from absolutely every part of my body, <laughs> please go and get yourself tested if you haven't absolutely. been tested recently. Mm. Undetectable. What yes. does that mean? So, and that's the thing. So if I diagnose someone um, with HIV today, uh, typically um, most people um, after diagnosis, they can go on pills straight away if they kind of um, really like kind of gung-ho, really want to do it and they feel really supported, etc. Um, but most people will start kind of within three to six months after diagnosis, uh, start treatment. Most of that treatment um, in today's, uh, in Australia, is one pill once a day. And mm -hmm. if you don't have Medicare, just a shout out that there is um, ways of accessing treatment and testing uh, through um, your local sexual health services for free mm -hmm. um, and on compassionate grounds. Um, so please, if you're listening, you don't have access to the Australian system, um, but you're living in Australia, then you can still access this um, important testing and treatment. But um, essentially, if someone's put on their one pill once a day regime, they take their pills every day um, and like essentially they'd have very minimal, if any, um, effects of HIV uh, on their day-to-day -day life. And what that means is that um, we usually can get the virus suppressed to being undetectable uh, within three to six months after the initiating treatment. Sometimes it's within a few weeks. Yeah. Um, and as soon as someone has had two uh, kind of confirmatory uh, viral load testings um, done that uh, kind of come back as what we call undetectable, mm. which is essentially below the level that the kind of machine can test, which is uh, today about 20 units per mil. Mm. Um, I think that's my right units. I feel like that's one statistic I probably didn't need. Yeah, well, you know. <laughs> it's I'm now going to be there, though, for the rest of my life. <laughs> I'm just full of superfluous yeah, facts. Yeah, I like that, though. Um, essentially, what that means is that it is 100% uh, protective against that person passing on HIV to anyone else. It is better than PrEP. Yeah, wow. Better wow. than condoms. Like um, the partner study, uh, which was kind of this landmark uh, groundbreaking study where mm. we followed people over years and years mm. and years mm. of their lives um, where one partner was positive and one mm. partner was mm. uh, negative and they mm. were kind of on treatment, mm. the uh, positive person. 
Mm-hmm. Um, there were no transmissions mm-hmm. um, occurring between those partners when uh, medications were taken effectively. Well, I guess the things that I'd want to be working with with Q, I, I hit two distinct themes where I wonder where the work might be. The first one is around helping him uh, with this feeling that there's something wrong with him, you know, that there's something defective, that, um, you know, maybe um, he might struggle in relationships, might be unlovable. So really kind of helping him with that feeling, kind of giving him a space uh, to explore that. I'm hearing a lot of throwbacks to season one, episode one. <laughs> yeah, funnily enough, there's something I know a bit about, yeah. Shame. that feeling, yeah, in every episode, we're just mm. going to mention shame again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I'd really be wanting to kind of uh, work through work through that with him, what other kind of um, areas in his life he might have that feeling of shame, um, what links that might have, um, but also help him to, you know, find his worthiness in the here and now and what that looks like. And I think it's important here to like kind of really call out the, it as trauma. Mm, um, Yeah. And kind of really acknowledge the fact that, uh, when HIV first came mm. on to kind of into the mainstream of kind of public awareness, mm. like it was called gay-related immunodeficiency dis- mm. disorder, yeah. Mm. the gay plague. Gay cancer. It was what kind of um, like we were mm. essentially mm. kind of deemed by the mass media and the general population as a result um, as deserving. Yeah. Mm. And also I work with a lot of clients whether, you know, they've become positive either through sex or through drug use, Mm -hmm. that it's this um, real horrible guilt or really shame, I think Mm. is is the better word, that they've done it to themselves. Yeah. And therefore they don't deserve compassion. Yeah, there's like this element, I think, and I think this is where probably so much of the stigma comes from that – people see it as a really, you know, unfortunately a really like behavioural disease or something Mm. that you did exactly in order for this to happen. Um, You know, be that a sexual activity, be that, you know, intravenous drug use, wherever it might be. Um, And I think that is what generates so much of the stigma. I wonder if it wasn't, you know, transmitted primarily through sexual activity. What if it was through a cough like COVID, um, whether it would have like this idea of it being dirty or wrong. You know, I think that the second kind of thing that I'd be really thinking about with treatment is a survivor guilt. Mm. So it wasn't, it isn't just a regret that they've done something that they're deserving of this. Mm. Well, um, just, to, just to make abundantly clear as well, someone who kind of uh, is infected with HIV has done nothing no. to deserve that infection no. because no. we don't pre- um, prescribe kind of guilt or kind of consequence of action uh, for any other, like for a lot of other conditions. Um, yeah. But you're right, Dave, in saying that because it's sexual, yeah. Um, yeah. we kind of... And some, gay sex, which is oh, a sin. Mm. Buggery. <laughs> <laughs> because of that, we label it as being a moral failing of the person who's mm. kind of infected. Mm. And it's not. Yeah. Just it's blatant. Not. Like we don't kind of label someone who kind of gets an infection, lung infection as being mm. morally mm. corrupt mm. Um, mm. because they've got a pneumonia. Yeah. yeah. But I guess back, you know, back when this was all coming out, to be queer, to be gay was a sin. It yeah. was a, you know, it, it was it illegal. Did mean, it, yeah, yeah. It did mean that you were morally bankrupt. It was illegal and, and a mental illness uh, then afterwards. And yeah. therefore, you know, this was God punishing you. Um, anyway, this idea of survivor's guilt, Jamie, that you just brought up. Yeah. Um, uh, 
you know, when I think about that, I think about it as a really strong sense of grief and loss that we yeah. that we want to yeah. kind of support the person with. Yeah. So not only is it, um, you know, supporting them to, mm. I guess, reframe this idea that why did I, su- why did I survive and other people yeah. didn't, yeah. Um, uh, but also this idea of really leaning into being able to grieve for the loss of huge yeah. parts yeah. of your community. Yeah. Yeah. I was talking to um, some students the other day doing a presentation around some of this stuff, actually, and I said to them, imagine if everybody you knew who got COVID had died. Imagine that. Like, think about that, that like how yeah, devastating and yeah, awful that would be. Yeah. And I, like when we make that comparison, yeah. it's probably really shocking, but maybe a little mm. bit on the money within the queer community. Yeah. So hopefully Q has navigated the, their way through the tangents of today's episode. Uh, Guys, do we have some final thoughts? We're not tangential, are we? No. <laughs> not never. Uh, oh, I just had this funny idea. <laughs> <laughs> so my th- final thought here is uh, around something that I've seen therapeutically has been beneficial for uh, many of my clients who are living with HIV is to connect with other clients who are living with mm. HIV. Uh, the idea of, you know, shame not being able to exist in the light and, and having safe spaces to be able to talk about some of these things, not just with a therapist, but with other people who have the same lived experience, I think can be particularly beneficial to extinguish some of that shame. Jamie? Yeah, my final thought is really around the survivor's guilt that um, I heard Q talking about and just wanting to say to him that, you know, he deserves to be here and he doesn't need to do anything to deserve deserve his life and deserve his health. Mm. And um, You are enough, full stop. Yeah, full stop, you are enough. Love that. Um, my final thought is not going to be nearly as positive. Um, Such a downer. Oh, I am a Debbie downer today, aren't I? Uh, it's actually to, it's kind of a message to anyone who's negative um, or anyone who's carrying any judgment online is to hold up a mirror first, because if you're judging other people um, based on kind of, and this is not just kind of their um, HIV status, but the color of their skin, their body type, etc really kind of ask yourself why that is a kind of held thought of yours that that person is lesser than you and you can Mm. kind of uh, not give them the time of day because ultimately if we kind of reach people with compassion and openness, uh, we can actually be surprised in this world of the beauty of humanity. Mm. That wasn't dark. That That was actually really deep and beautiful. Oh, look, I am profound. I'm as deep as the blue ocean. Yeah. And um, hey, (laughs) just a shout out, uh, it being World AIDS Day, Mm -hmm. if if you've lost someone, if, you know, put them in your thoughts today and, Mm -hmm. you know, just reflect reflect on them Mm -hmm. and, you know, our thoughts... And my thoughts uh, with people as well and, um, mm. yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, day. this is a, a really serious topic and a really yeah. important day to recognise and, you know, part of what we do here on Meet Q mm. is to try to, uh, I guess, bring levity and life and, and laughter yeah. to really yeah. difficult topics like this and, yeah. and hopefully we've been able to strike that yeah. balance today. <laughs> All right, let's get out of here. <laughs> okay. Uh, bye. Okay. Meet Q is brought to you by Q Psychology, Melbourne's leading private psychology practice for the LGBTQIAP community. Q is a fictional character. Any similarities to a specific person are coincidental and are due to Q representing common mental health difficulties experienced by members of the queer community. Any advice provided by the presenters is general in nature and should not replace specific and individualised mental health support that might be needed. If you or someone you know is struggling with their mental health, Lifeline is available 24 hours a day, seven days a week on 13 11 14. 
Rainbow Door is available on 1800 729 367, 10am to 5pm, seven days a week. And Q Life is available on 1800 184 527, 3pm to midnight every day. Please visit the Meet Q website at www.meetqpodcast.com for further specific LGBTQIAP plus mental health resources. Thank you.